Father, we just thank you so much for a wonderful day. We thank you for this season. It's a glorious thing. And as we talk about what it really means, we just ask for you to help us um, to appreciate it. And uh, for those of us that don't totally grasp it, to really understand what happened when you came into the world. We ask for your blessing in Christ's name. Amen. So we're going to look at several passages in the Gospel of John. So if you want to follow with me, you can. And if you don't have a Bible but you want one, just tap the person next to you and they'd be happy to share it with you. (laughs) So I want to talk this morning about um, light, light in the midst of darkness and the reality of Christmas on that special day over 2,000 years ago is that light burst into the world of human darkness. That's what happened. You know on that old hymn, uh, A Little Town of Bethlehem, you guys know that song? One of my favorite fra- line, lines in there, phrasing in there is, Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. I just love those words. Isaiah 49.6 calls the Messiah a light unto the nations. So Christmas is a season of light and that's one of the reasons we put up lights. And the continuous use of the term light in reference to the coming of the Lord Jesus Well, there's an assumption behind all of those uses of the word light with regard to his coming. It's assuming the existence of a great darkness against which that light of Jesus beams and radiates all the brighter because of the darkness of the world. There's so much darkness in the world. There's actually more than we know. And um, you know, I know there's a lot of darkness in the world because I have to deal with it pretty regularly, but there's so much more than we know hidden in the shadows and things won't be exposed until the day of judgment. Even on the world stage in um, 2021, darkness is looming pretty large uh, around the world. Powers um, that used to be kind of holding darkness in check are getting weaker and weaker and um, just from a global point of view, there's just dark forces out there that are getting very powerful. On a more personal level, we, we try to insulate ourselves from the powers of darkness, the influence of darkness, and then it just imposes itself on us cruelly sometimes and in ways that we don't really expect, sometimes very randomly. Too often though, that darkness shows up from within. There's darkness we find in our hearts. We try to explain away our darkness in our time by, uh, well we use a lot of psychological terms. Our darkness is a condition, it's a, a pathology, it's, it's a kind of a disease. But we know better than that. It's actually us. The Bible says that mankind has fallen away from God. That's the human condition. That's our problem. We've gone our own way. We've left the path. We've separated ourselves from an all-wise and infinitely good creator. And that's where the darkness comes from. This separation where we walked away from him. Darkness, well darkness is the absence of light, right? Without God where he belongs in us, darkness reigns in us. Somebody posted a quote the other day. It's one of my favorite quotes and I hadn't thought about it for a long time but it was from Alexander Solzhenitsyn. You remember the Russian writer? If you're old, you don't remember Laura. <laughs> he, he became a Christian in a Soviet, Soviet labor camp in Kazakhstan. He was sentenced there for many years. When he got out, he wrote a book 
several books. One was called The Day in the Life of Ivan Yanisevich, which was really famous, and then The Gulag Archipelago. And then he came to the West. He got freed and came to the West and told us what was wrong with us. And everybody who lionized him before he came here hated him after that <laughs> because he was accurate. He told us exactly where we were headed and we've been there. We've, we've already gone there. This is in the 1960s, I think, back then when he came. Anyway, this is his, what he learned through all of his suffering. The line separating good and evil passes not through states nor between classes, remember he was, ra he was raised in a Marxist society, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. This line shifts inside us, it oscillates with the years. If only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. There's a lot of wisdom there. See, we want to blame everything else except us. There's all, it's the systems, it's this, it's that, it's everybody's out to get me. Everything's worked against me. It's that class, it's that, it's those people, it's this group, it's that race or whatever the thing is and it's all in here it's all going on in here this darkness so humanity has this horrible problem and all of our technology and systems and all our fields of study can't even begin to reduce or eliminate the darkness of the human heart we are utter failures at doing that now on a spiritual end that's really bad because God the Bible says well the Bible says he is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So he is perfect goodness and goodness by its very nature stands against evil. God personally, because he's a person, he hates evil and he cannot tolerate evil in the world that he made. So the world is under a curse. Have you noticed? <laughs> God cursed the creation because of human beings, because of man. That's in the first three chapters of the Bible. Everything's explained right there in terms of what our problem is. And that is why things are the way they are. Just think about our world. You know, I love this, what science is discovering about creation more and more. We, we live in a, a universe with super finely tuned physical laws, you know, these natural laws. There's marvelous, incredible complexity in biology and they only find out more and more how complex it is. Even our very cells are incredibly complicated and we have wondrous abilities. Creatures can do amazing things and there's incredible beauty that when you look at nature and all the amazing things that God has done, it makes you want to tear up. It's so wonderful and yet there's decay and death and savagery and oppression and cruelty and all of that and we we're the pinnacle of creation we're the highest creatures of the world we do these things and we die and decay I was thinking of so much of the tragedy and suffering we've seen recently the the tornadoes um, a man deliberately driving a car through people on a Thanksgiving Day parade mowing down the dancing grannies and children killing people, maiming people. You know in the Bible Jesus was asked about people who die in disasters and people who die at the hands of wicked men. It's in Luke chapter 13, you don't have to turn there, but they asked Jesus, they said, 
Did these people who died, were they worse sinners than those whose house was spared from the tornado, for example, or those who were marching in another part of the parade and the car didn't run over them? Were, were those that got killed worse sinners than the others? And Jesus said this. He said, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. What kind of an answer is that? Well, it assumes this one great truth. A truth that we try to suppress or try to deny. That the wages of sin is death. And God's wrath hangs over sinners. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So what does repent mean? It means to turn away from something and to something. It's turning from going our own way and going to God's way. It means from turning away from darkness, even darkness we find in ourselves, rejecting that and turning to light. But even if you do that, there's still darkness you'll find in your own heart. So how can I be right with God? If that's true of me? That's a really good question. So if we turn from darkness to light, we need to look really carefully at what the light is in the Bible. So the light, the light is not a reformed me because there's still darkness in a reformed me. A better me. Is that what God's looking for? A better me. No, because there's still darkness in the better me. And I get my darkness. I don't, like, you don't have to persuade me about that. I just have to look in my heart. So what is the light? Well, it's two things, really. Mainly it's a man. And the other thing is, it's his message. It's the message about the man. Let me read from Matthew's gospel first. I just want to read this part. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, where Matthew recounts the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And he says, When Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. John the Baptist was arrested. Leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah, the prophet, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land and the shadow of death, upon them a light has dawned. And then Matthew says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So this prophecy of Isaiah came about when Israel was in deep darkness. A culture of violence, pride, partying, immorality, injustice, idolatry. The prophets talked about all of that and much more. Does that sound familiar? So what is the light? Well it's the man and the message. The man is Jesus, the Messiah. The message from him is repent. So Christ has come, the light is, has dawned, and so it was proclaimed to Israel, turn from your sins and embrace the Messiah. The kingdom of God is at hand. That means the king is here. The king is here. Born in Bethlehem, as prophesied. So now I'm just telling you what the Bible says and, and from there you have to decide what to do with Jesus, okay? But that's, that's the subject. Now if the Bible is true, then he is everything. He's everything. 
And Jesus has claims on your heart and on your soul if it's true, right? If it's not true, then go about your business and wait till you die and decay. John chapter 1. It's as clear as you can get regarding Jesus. This is how Jesus' disciple John begins his account of the life of Jesus. Not with a birth story. He goes before that into eternity past. And he says in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. So the word he's called. The word was with God. The word was God. He made everything. In creation when God spoke light into darkness. That was him doing that. The word. He gave man life. And those special qualities that belong only to human beings. And all of creation. These unique things about us. Reason. Morality. Creativity. Personhood. Animals aren't persons. But we are. We have the capacity to have a personal relationship with God. So the life of the word is the light of men. And men choose darkness over light. When man chose darkness over light at the beginning the relationship with God was broken between humanity and God. So when the light shines now John says it's not understood. It's not understood. That's why because the relationship has been broken. So people turn away from it. But the word brings his light to us in a new way. The word brings light into the world of men to illuminate their souls. And so the John goes on in verse 9 there was the true light which coming into the world see he's talking about eternity past and then he's talking about when he came people didn't understand it so now he's saying there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him he came unto his own and those who were his own did not receive him but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth the word became flesh that's the creator becoming man and that's what Christmas is really about the baby in Bethlehem is the word become flesh so you see the word become flesh he does something so wonderful that men and women walking in darkness can become children of God that's what he's saying that relationship that was broken can be repaired and people that were once walking in darkness can walk in the light. Let's look at John chapter 3 
we'll start with the most famous verse in the Bible probably about Jesus John 3.16 says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish not decay not die but have eternal life and then he goes on to tell how that reconciliation happens verse 17 God did not send the son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through him he who believes in him is not judged he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God he came to save people from the guilt of their sins that's the gospel the good news God is going to judge sin but if we believe in the son we will not be judged that is absolutely the clearest thing he could say and don't miss verse 18 if you don't believe you're judged already because we're already in darkness that's our condition now and we can't change it ourselves and we've tried boy humans have tried so much to bring light into us and live in this different way and it just keeps getting worse I don't think people want it to change deep down maybe they want everybody else to change but they want to remain the same so not only in man is mankind in darkness he actually likes it verse 19 this is the judgment this is the judgment that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil for everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed well why wouldn't a man in darkness love the light why wouldn't he want the light exactly the same reason a thief doesn't want a patrolman's light to land on him it's exactly the same reason you know they had a big incident at La Cabana the other night and uh, like 10,000 police cars there slight exaggeration there were a lot and we just live right up the railroad track from there and they're searching all over and I'm kind of following this online it says oh they arrested one guy there's other guys running around they haven't found them yet and so what did I do well I did lock my door but before I did that I took the brightest flashlight I have <laughs> and I went outside in the front and just shined it all down where the railroad tracks are exactly where that person would come if they were running from the cops so they would see a light and go oh I better not run that way that's what I was thinking <laughs> then I locked my door then I called Freddie and I said, do you have a gun? <laughs> and he said, better than that, I have a dog. <laughs> a pit bull. So anyway, right? Now what happened? Same reason. The same reason we don't like the light. Man doesn't like the light. We don't want our sin exposed. We don't want to be caught. We like to think, actually, that we're better than other people. And if we're comfortable in the darkness and if we don't care to be reconciled to God then the light doesn't feel good at all. Turn off that light! I don't want to be exposed by the light. The light of Christ exposes our true condition. If we measure ourselves by Christ I was going to say or the Sermon on the Mount we come up really short. I don't know anybody that's read the Sermon on the Mount and said that's me. <laughs> I just don't know anybody that did that. It's so describing me I'm just wonderful actually people read it and they judge other people by it that's how they don't deal with it they say oh so and so doesn't do that and they don't do that they don't measure themselves by it because when you take it to yourself when you let the light of God shine on you you don't 
like what you see. Verse 21. He who practices the truth. Actually it says but. He who practices the truth. Comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested. As having been wrought in God. That's a really interesting sentence. The one who practices the truth. Lets the light show him. How sinful he is. Or how sinful she is if it's a lady. And he understands that the light is good. And when it shows him how sinful he is. Then he wants forgiveness. And he wants to know God. And so he lets the light expose the sin in him. So he's willing to trade the false security of spiritual darkness. For the light of God's redeeming love. He's willing to make that trade. And for the man who's ready for the truth. The light is not a danger to him. It's an invitation to peace and joy and reconciliation with God and wholeness. And when that happens, that's God doing something inside of the person. The Holy Spirit is awakening a heart. So how does a man come to the light? He, how does he find that the light welcoming instead of scary or oppressive to him? How does he find this welcoming exposure of his sins and start to feel the warmth of God's love. How does he do that? Well let's go on to John chapter 8. In John chapter 8 the setting is the last day of the feast of tabernacles and ancient sources tell us that on the last day of the feast in the temple in the courtyards of the temple there were bright lights and fires lit all around and the ancient rabbis described the temple as, as gloriously illuminated during this particular time. It's a beautiful moment. And it's at that very moment that Jesus stands up in verse 12 and says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Wow. So a man receives the light by following Jesus, by becoming his disciple. And that's the same thing as believing in him like John 3.16 said. Believing, following, embracing, receiving. John 1, you can use all kinds of language to describe it. But you become a disciple by believing or receiving Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And when you have him, you have the light of life. And eternal life actually becomes yours. You have eternal life as a child of God. Let me share with you one more verse about Christ as the light. It's found in John chapter 12. And this is the Passion Week, uh, the last week of Jesus' ministry, just before he goes to the cross. It's kind of a hard thing to read because Jesus is distraught. He doesn't mince words. He, he, he wasn't going to be with them very much longer. And he's talking to a crowd of people, not just the disciples here. This is John 12, 27. He says, now my soul has become troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father glorify your name. And then a voice came out of heaven and said I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered and others were saying an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said this voice has not come for my sake but for your sakes. Now judgment is upon this world. 
now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was to die. Verse 34, then the crowd answered him, we have heard out of the law that Christ is to remain forever. How can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Jesus said for a little while longer, a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light so that the darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and he went away and hid himself from them. He did that deliberately so they would feel what it was like without him there. The light of the world. So you know, God arranges things so that at certain times in people's lives, he'll bring the truth to them. There are moments when he just gains a person's attention. And most people, mostly people are just kind of going through life and this or that. Then there's this moment when it's kind of all there and it's presented to them. You might be here having that moment right now. And it's a moment of decision. Walk while you have the light. Just imagine being in, you know, years and years ago, Dave LeBaron and I walked up to the top of the mountain up there where the, you know, Mount, whatever that's called. Yeah, Parker Mountain, getting old. And we started in the dark early in the morning from his backyard. And we were stumbling and tripping. I mean, there was so much stuff out there in the wilderness to just fall over until the light started to dawn. Then we could see it and work our way up there and it was okay, you know. But imagine just being in the pitch dark, pitch dark in a forest or something and you're you're bumping into things, you're tripping over roots, uh, things are getting in your face, you don't have nowhere, no idea where you're going, you're just feeling yourself along, you're getting nowhere, you're getting fearful because the world around you is outside of your control, you don't know what you're doing, then somebody comes along with my flashlight, <laughs> my powerful flashlight, and he illuminates the whole situation for you. And he points out there's a path over there and that'll take you back to civilization where you want to go. But you don't want to be told what to do. (laughs) Thank you, but I'll find my own way. He says, well, I'm going to hold the light for you. You say, well, I'm going to close my eyes. (laughs) You close your eyes and you continue on in the darkness. Spiritually speaking, that's exactly what most people do. That's what they do. I will go my own way, even if the light is brought right to me. And the first humans made that choice. That's why the world's a mess. But long ago, God promised the light would come. No matter how dark things look in our times or just in your own personal life, 2,000 years ago, the light came into the world. And there's never been a man like Jesus. He has no rivals. There's no one like him. There's no one that shines like him. You can think of the greatest man you could think of other than him and they don't, they're not even a candle compared to the brilliance of Christ. He was the word become flesh. He was the light of the world. And he died a horrible death to bear the sin of the world in his own body to pay the penalty of sin for us. He paid the debt that we owe to God because of our darkness 
for following our own way, making up our own rules, which we don't keep very well anyway. Jesus is the light because he reveals God to us. He is God in human flesh. He's the light because he brought the truth to us. He's the light because he revealed our true problem. And then he solved our problem with his death. Jesus is the light because he rose from the dead to prove that his sacrifice was acceptable to God and that we can have eternal life in him. And we can have a relationship with him today. Jesus is the light because he loves us more than we can even comprehend. I, I hope nobody in this room is walking in darkness. I mean, that's my dear hope. But if you are, why not take this season to celebrate the birth of the light into our world to have a new birth of your own and receive the light yourself. Follow the Savior. God made the light shine in the darkness and he will shine on you. He will shine in you and through you if you step into the light and repent and believe. Let's pray. Our great God, you are, as the great old creeds say, the light of light. You are pure goodness. We are not. What you did to bring us to you is glorious beyond words. You came to us. You sought us. Your compassion required you to place yourself in the hands of cruel men. And our sin brought you to the cross. That was your mission. To redeem unworthy people like us. In you we see an infinite mercy and a love without limit and it's so bright. So subdue our hearts and take us into the light of your son Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.